I'm super happy with even $100. I know that's you don't have the same enthusiasm that I do, but I was like, that's $100. It adds up. And I know. And you're like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's hard to sustain if you're just making $100 on every deal. But thankfully, that's, our average profit yeah. per deal is about 22000 per deal. Welcome to Turning Profit, a podcast for people that love real estate. Learn the business models and skills that professional real estate investors use to make money and build wealth. Visit turningprofit.com for a wealth of investor resources. And now... Here are your hosts, Pete and Heather Reese. Welcome to the Turning Profit Podcast. It's great to be here, Heather, huh? Very, very, yeah. I never know what you're going to say, so I'm always bracing well, myself. Just for... try to mix it up a little bit. We're talking about all these different types of ways to make money with with real estate. And so it makes sense that we need to jump into the one that we're actively doing right now, right. that majority of our business is focused on. Right. Yeah. So... Do you have any burning questions you want to start with? Oh, gosh, so many. But I think I want to start at the beginning. So okay. we've already talked before about you've been in real estate. This isn't your first like rodeo in real estate per right. se. But this is first time doing land investing, right? Like, have right. we owned any land before this? Yeah, yeah, we have owned land before this. But, oh, you're right. I forgot. But okay. never with this model. Right. This, this model is very unique. It's not, you mm-hmm. know, I think that the typical thought out there is that if you are a land investor, you buy a piece of property. And you hold it for a long term. Hopefully, you're buying it in the path of progress. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. as these cities grow, then your land will become more valuable. So, like those are the ones I see, like driving out to Vegas. There's going right. to be like the big chunks of land or something, and that's someone who's like speculatively buying it as like almost retirement. Right. Hopefully, I always wanted to buy one of those pieces of property. And what and, stopped you? Huh? My wife. Yeah. I'm I just problem. think it would be something. It would be great to put up something like the world's biggest golf ball or something like that. And to make that a huge attraction. Uh-huh. Or I mean, or for advertising, like I would see that if you had said like, let's get this like cheap piece of land. Everyone has to drive by it when they're going to Vegas. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and you advertise something there. Right. That to me would make sense, but right. buying it just so that in like 5,000 years when everyone wants to live in the middle of like the desert. Yeah. Hey. I mean, it's not a bad idea though, because when you look at it, mm-hmm. like people that bought and like the outskirts of San Diego were kind of like, I bet they had that same, that or face that same kind of thing. Like people were like, you're buying out there. And now right. these it's are big valuable. communities. Yeah. yeah. So in some sense, that makes sense. So when, like, let's get back to when this all started, it was what, it was 2020, right? Right. Uh, 2020, about Thanksgiving time, 2020. Okay. So a little over two years ago at this point. And knew I wanted to get back into real estate investing. I remember that exact moment. I like to cut you off, so don't worry about this. Cut me off then. Um, We were walking in Newport Beach, Mm -hmm. and we were coming back from. I actually I remember the exact spot. We were walking back from Balboa Island, and we were on like, what is the name of that road there? Forget. I can't remember now. That's so crazy. We walked Bayfront. Bayfront. Bayfront or Bayside? Bayside. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. One of those. We walked it like five thousand times, and I can't remember the name. But anyway, so we're walking, and we're just about to go home. And um, I think I was like, you really should like get back into real estate. Right. Like you had already been like hinting at it that you wanted to do actively. It's always been my true passion. Right. And I was like, I think it's, I mean, it was 2020. It was kind of like a dumpster fire of a year anyways. So I was like, you know, like, why don't we do something different? Like do something that you really love doing again. You can give up on your career with me. And no, I'm just kidding. You can ditch me and leave me. And, you know, and so, um, and then I, I assume that you do like, I don't know. I thought you'd probably do investment real estate again. I really thought that's what you were going to do. And then you were like, no, I have another idea. Right. 
And basically this whole time I, I was searching online mm -hmm. and I knew I wanted to do something with real estate. It's just a matter of the model that I wanted to pick mm -hmm. to go, go forward with. And I found some stuff online about people that were flipping land. And what did I say when you told me that? I, I mean, you don't even have to know exactly what I said, but you probably know the general feeling of yeah, what I said. Yeah, I think you were maybe skeptical in uh -huh. a way. And then I mentioned to you that, hey, these people are talking about buying a property for $10,000 and then reselling it quickly for $30,000. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, we, you know, we could do that. That sounds interesting. I probably said, <laughs> like, I'm willing to... Um, I'm willing to bet $10,000 on you. Oh, like, yes. and if it's, you know, goes up in flames, oh, well, it's $10,000. Like, that's not nothing. But I was like, he's worth $10,000. You know what I mean? And hopefully you believed in me. Yeah. No, <laughs> of course I did. Like, But um, I think it's funny. I 100% believe in you. But I was like, this just seems not, it wasn't like too good to be true. But it was almost like, mm, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, that seemed weird to me. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So then you were like. Well, so, so then she opened that pretty much opened the door and mm -hmm. then I bought a training program on it and I mm -hmm. learned everything I could about the business model, how to evaluate properties for this particular model. And uh, then we just started doing it. Mm -hmm. So resold our first property in March of 2021. So that was like the first actual resale closing that we had. And we made something like $17,000 off of a I don't know if it was a $20,000 purchase or something like that. You can check our website. I've got all the numbers out. Uh, you actually have exactly. like the income reports. Yeah, I've got like all the income reports. It shows exactly all of our deals. In fact, I've got a whole video I did about our first 50 deals, which shows you exactly here are the first you 50 properties. Do you have them? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. It took me a long time. It was a I long was video. like, man, that's crazy. Okay. <laughs> but we try to be very transparent in exactly what actually happened mm -hmm. with, with all those deals, like what we bought it for, what we sold it for, how much profit we made. Mm -hmm how many days we held the property, all these different things are in there. So you can see exactly what's possible and what's not possible. And I mean, but, the other thing too about that was that we wanted, like we're thinking when we're creating this content, I just didn't know you finished it already. That's crazy. But um, that what would have helped us in that first, you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. like in the beginning, like for me personally, seeing if someone had shared that, I would have been like, oh, way more gung-ho. Exactly. Right? Like I was just reading stuff that said, you know, from some guy on the internet that said, hey, I bought this property for 10,000. I sold for 30,000. And then I was passing on that anecdote to you and you're probably like, oh, I don't know about this. And for me too, you know, I was just some guy on the internet, so I didn't know how real it was. There was no other information than that. So we tried to kind of fill a little bit of the gap there and show you what's possible and give some details. And, and also and, you can see like the ones that we did like really, really well on right. versus the ones that we did like completely acceptable and I'm very happy with them. But the ones right. you blew out of the park, like I think it's invaluable being able to go back invaluable. Mm -hmm. I think that's sure. right. Yeah. That's a word. If I made that up, I don't think I did, but going back and being able to see all of that, like, and say like, okay, I want to target, you know, the super big ones. Mm -hmm. Like I think someone being able to go through that and like nitpick and say like, that's what I like, or what did he do different on this one versus this one? And it's helpful for us too. Right. Oh yeah. We totally learn from our mistakes. Mm -hmm. We try to not repeat the same thing. I think it's funny. Mistake twice. And you say mistakes, but have you lost money? No, okay, no, I haven't so, lost money on any deals. So right, there's a so, couple of them where we made like 100 bucks or 500 mm -hmm. bucks or something like that. So those are not losses. They were not worth the time, obviously, but we didn't lose money. No, it still made more if you'd, than if you'd put it in the stock market. Right, which probably would have <laughs> went down over that same exactly. period. So yes. I, I'm still, yeah, I'm, a, I'm still super happy with even $100. I know that's you don't have the same enthusiasm that I do, but I was like, that's $100 that it adds up. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And you're like, 
<laughs> it's hard to sustain if you're just making $100 on every deal. But thankfully, that's our average profit yeah. per deal is about 22000 per deal. Okay. So anyways, they can go check that out. And- yeah, check that okay. out. But do you want me to kind of give an overview of like the model and how it, how it works? Yeah. Like what is it? Like what is real estate? Invest- like a pre- go back to that conversation you had with me and like explain okay. how it like even Here's work. how it works. Because I was like, so where do you find that the $10,000 property? And then who do you sell it to? Right. You know what I mean? So all good stuff. Don't worry, um, I'll cut him off. So here's the model. It's what you do is you buy properties directly from sellers, from property owners, and then you um, sometimes do some minor things to them, and then you uh, resell them with a real estate broker or on the market. So but like a, a minor thing could be it could be clearing some paths on the property, some mm-hmm. hiking trails. It could be getting a survey done could be getting a perk test done you and know, a perk test if people don't know it's like if you need to be on a septic system exactly yeah if you know if you're not connected to the public sewer mm-hmm. you have to have a septic system in order to handle the the waste so we'll just leave that. messy subject we'll but just leave that it there. is what it is so anyhow but so how we find the deals is we send out direct mail mm-hmm. and direct mail it just basically means we're sending out letters and we're not just sending out a couple letters we're sending out a boatload of letters. I almost used it. Boatload. I almost used it. Thank you for <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to keep it PG here. Boatload of letters. So we send out letters, and uh-huh. these aren't just any letters. It's a two-page thing. And the first le- first page is kind of explaining what we do and why we're contacting them. The second page is an actual offer. So it's an offer for their property. And that offer price is based off of averages for a particular area. So during our research, we may come up and say, hey, you know, on average, we can resell a property for 10,000 an acre. Mm-hmm. And we can't obviously buy it for that price. We're going to want to buy it for much less. Mm-hmm. So, and that percentage is kind of determined on the area. But in general, we try to double our money on every deal. So if I'm going to pay $20,000 for a property, I'm going to try to net $40,000 at, at the end of the day. Okay. And that includes like all the other commissions, random- closing costs, everything mm-hmm. on both sides. So we've got a transaction to buy the property and then we've got a transaction to resell the property. So there's closing costs on each side. And when we sell, resell the property, we're dealing with agents who we have to pay a commission to. Right. And then two things I want to jump into real quick. I know in the beginning there, we had talked about, I was like, so do we buy them through escrow companies? Like, how does that work? Because, and insurance, or, um, title insurance, stuff like that. Right. Like to us, that was super important because mm-hmm. it's not you know, for the seller's protection and also for our protection. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, there's some people I know that you've told me before that will just buy and sell land, not through escrow mm-hmm. and all those, you know, here's, here's a $10,000 check and okay. And you signed over the deed to me and that's it. We're yeah, done. They make it very simple. Right. Which is, there is a benefit to that. It's mm-hmm. so simple. Someone just gets their money. There's no middleman. There's no title fees. There's no escrow fees. There's no, none of that. Right. Right. Hey, everyone, just a quick reminder that you can join our community for free at landconquest.com. Inside, you'll get all the resources, training and support for building a thriving land flipping business. Once again, that's landconquest.com. All right. Enjoy the rest of the show. But why did we choose to go through escrow companies? Yeah, it basically protects us and protects the seller, really. But the, the main thing is that it allows us to have marketable title. There are a lot of properties out there that you'd be surprised with where the, the chain of title is kind of clouded. Like mm-hmm. it was inherited. There's this. That's actually long a lead, line, an actual term. It's a cloudy title. Yeah. There's a, a long mm-hmm. chain of people and there may be other people that have interest in it. 
And maybe the seller, the property owner that's paying the property taxes and everything doesn't even have a clue that there's any sort of issue. But that gets worked out during the purchase and the title process. So by getting that out of the way, when we buy a property, mm-hmm. there's no red flags or there's no issues when we go to resell a property. Right. And then it's it's a the best title possible for the person that's purchasing it from us. Mm-hmm. Yes. And okay, like a situation where a cloudy title could happen, there's a gazillion of them. I mean, there's so many, I couldn't even list them all. There's you probably have seen like every single time you think you've seen it all, you see another thing. Mm-hmm. But like a perfect example is that let's say that you and I owned a piece of land. We pass away. We don't have a trust. We don't have a will or anything. And it gets left to our descendant. Mm-hmm. descendants. Yeah. So we have three daughters. Mm-hmm. So they inherit this piece of land. Okay. And it's just the three of them. And if they decided to sell it, they'd all go in and they would sell it. Right. But then let's say that they either forget about it or they hold that. And then they then have children. They pass away. Then it's their children. And they've each had 10 kids. Right. Right. So now there's conceivably 30 people that own this one piece of land. Right, they have some sort of interest in it. Right. And, and then, yeah, you, they all have to sign, you know, the purchase mm-hmm. agreement, uh, agreeing to sell it. And, you know, when it gets split up 30 ways, some of these people may not want to sell it because. Well, our favorite rather... grandchild has sentimental value. <laughs> okay, the we don't one have that, any grandchildren. Well, but... it's conceivable. This okay. one, these, this made up family that I've okay. just created, uh, 10 children each for our three okay. girls, that would be kind of wishing yeah. it. One of them decides that it's sentimental value. They're never going right. to sell. Right? right. And then there's another one that like, just does not care at all because they right. want to go to Aspen with the money. Uh-huh, right. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. all these things. I mean, it just, so in a lot of those situations, those deals just never happen. Right. But it's good to get that out of the way at the beginning. Before you buy it, right? Before you buy it, before you send the money, before any of that. Okay. So I want to get back to kind of the overview of the model. That we <laughs> but why do we use to, an agent? Why, that, to resell thing, the property? Uh-huh, why do we use agents to resell? Because we leverage them in a number of ways. Like they're, we kind of view them as a member of the team really when we find a good agent. First of all, they help us when we're buying a property and they kind of help us verify what we think the property is worth, what we can resell it for, and also point out any potential issues with the property. And then on the other side, they're good at what they do. They know that area. They generally have a buyer's list for that area. Mm -hmm. They have their marketing down. They can expose it to as many people as possible and get us the best possible price as quickly as possible. And also, if you're super busy, like... You don't have time to be selling these. You're a yes. broker. You can. You are a broker. You're not a broker necessarily licensed in these different states, but you know what it's like buying and selling properties, right? right? And if you're super busy, having an agent doing that side of things oh, keeps yeah. you. Like yeah. if you had a full time job doing other things, you know what I mean, right? And there are some land investors that handle that side mm-hmm. of things too, but they enjoy that's it. That's a whole. That's a whole other aspect of things that we don't even have to deal with. Like so we hand that over the marketing over to them and right. let them get it sold. And then we'll get back to the whole overview. But when we decided to do this, we went all in like, this is a legit business. We're actually growing an actual business business. Mm -hmm. And that's why we chose to use these different providers along the way. So we made that decision as we were building it. Right. Some people can go into it, they can start doing it themselves and then they can add them. Right. Yeah. It's, it's our model and you know, everyone has their own spin Mm -hmm. on things. This is the way that we do things and it's worked out really well for us. Yeah. And there's ways. So what I I wanted to showcase was that there's ways to protect yourself all along the way. Oh, exactly. You can bring these people in. I know I went off on a tangent. Thank you for the look. (laughs) But, um, the, the whole reason for doing that was like, I want to showcase that this is, there's ways to protect yourself. It's not, oh, yeah. it's like a completely, and you, like the system that you've created, you've researched all these nuances, nuances. Mm-hmm. Sure. Nuances. nuances. Thank yeah, you. That's how I see um, it. And you've used your, you know, extensive real estate background to know that about these things. Right. Okay. So go on. So all we right. send out so, the letters. Okay. We send out the mm-hmm. letters. And then what happens is people will contact us back. A certain percentage of the people will contact us back. So they may call us or they may email us or they may text us or they may send us a letter even back in the mail. So all those things happen. 
And depending on how that happens, we have a person on our team at this point, but initially it was just me doing it. So from the beginning, I I hired a call service that basically is they'll answer the phone 24 hours Mm -hmm. and then they'll take a message and then I, I, they weed through things too. Yeah, exactly. So if, if a seller calls and just, you know, wants to complain that I offered too low on their property or something Mm -hmm. like that, then they'll, you know, they'll just take a message and say, okay, we'll take you off our list for next time. Mm -hmm. But if there's a, a seller that's interested in selling, and they'll go through some basic questions, and then they'll pass on the lead on to us. Okay. So two things: were you completely surprised when they would call at like 10 p.m.? Like I didn't. Oh, yes. I didn't. I thought they, they called would call, all hours, right? Yeah. And I didn't realize that mm-hmm. that was shocking to me. But it wasn't to you as much. And the second thing: you got your first response back. How did you feel? Uh, really uh, validated in a way. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh, this actually works. I right. knew it would work, but you, you know. did. You and you always have the faith. You're like, oh, totally, this will work. And I was like. You know, and then you came, you know, walking in and you're like, yeah, someone just responded. And yeah, that was pretty cool. Okay, so keep going. All right. So they call in. And Mm -hmm. then at that point, you know, sometimes we're, you know, we try to do our best with the offer prices. But, you know, there's so many different variables that come. Each property is a little different. So we'll take a look at it when the the lead comes in and see what it looks like. Or were we right on? Were we too high? Mm -hmm. Were we too low? And and basically at that point, we try to, you know, if, it, if it's a good property and property we, we want to move forward with, we, you know, try to lock up a deal with that, uh, that seller. So we get it under contract and it's just a, basically a one page contract. We send that contract over to the title company or the attorney or whatever entity, you know, closes transactions in that state. And then they do their title search. And in the meantime, we do a, a bunch of research on the property, like f- more extensive research. We send out a photographer and a drone photographer out to the property. They walk the property, do a little report, take aerial images and on the ground images. We also, that's where when we loop in the local broker, we ask them their opinion on the property, what they think it's worth. They um, might know something we don't know. Like exactly. it's right next to a hog farm. Right, exactly. And that or, happens. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you can see those on the satellite yeah, images, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, yes. Or it was, or you know, some other weird things. We need right. to do a whole podcast just about everything that goes yeah. when you're evaluating. Potential, that. yeah, potential because, issues on properties. Yeah, and and evaluating. Yeah, we'll do a lot of content on that because okay. that's that's definitely a big part of it. You really need to understand what makes a good property and what makes a bad property and things to look out for and it's not just like what we would like mm-hmm. like yes. and that's what's interesting because the person buying this the end user isn't us right you know and i think that's sometimes like i would look at it be like oh i don't know if i like that one and then it's like a hot cakes one you know yeah hot cakes <laughs> okay hot well cakes you know one. some some of the things that ha- that can happen are you know sometimes some of these properties are landlocked meaning there's no mm-hmm. road frontage there's no legal access to the property sometimes there's the issue of the hog farm next door, which when you look at it on the satellite image, you're thinking, oh, this looks pretty good. But then in reality, when you're on that property, it smells terrible. Right. And you hear the sounds and you know all, everything else that mm-hmm. comes with it. And that's going to be a way less desirable property. It may still, it you know, it still has value. Uh-huh. It's just like, what is that value? Right. And, th- and that goes back to that hotcakes thing. Like to me, it's like a no, right? Mm-hmm. But some person might not care at all. Mm-hmm. Like they grew up by one. Right. They don't care. They love hogs. Uh-huh. Maybe they want to have another hog farm. Right. Or it's close to I wouldn't to sell something. it to them if they did want to do a hog farm. Yeah, I know. That's the, <laughs> we won't get into our vegan tendencies. But, um, and also we try not to clear land. Oh, like yes. that's, unless it's absolutely necessary. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, clear. Yeah. We, you know, we'll cut trails and things right. like that. But as far as, you know, clear cutting a property or something like that. That's just know, not something. And yeah, then I kind of feel bad about that. Right. I know. But that's also something that somebody might look well, yeah, for. You know, and, that's another. You know, and there are certain properties where they grow timber just like any other crop. So mm-hmm. they cut the timber, they replant it right, right away. So that's a that's a whole different thing. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, different than like an old growth forest that you're just cutting down and not right. going to replant, you know. Yeah. So anyhow. We can touch on all those. Too. Yeah. I know. <laughs> but there's that's what's so cool about it is that when you first presented this, this wasn't on my radar at all. I knew you should get back into real estate. You love it. It was like a, you know, a happiness factor too, right? So, oh, yeah. And you're you're good at that. You love negotiating. You love every aspect of it. This land stuff was not on my radar at all, at all. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, you presented that first thing where it was like, okay, buy, sell land. It makes sense. Someone needs to sell. You do a little improvement or not, you know, and you can flip it. You're, you, you normally improve it in some way. Right. There's always something done. Right. But there's so many different aspects. Like the more that we've learned about it, it's like, you know, every single, if you can imagine it, the land can normally be used for that. Right. And then we can talk about different zoning. I mean, there's so many different things. But so uh, sticking with just your thing, like you literally just, your system for right the second is primarily you send letters. Right. They, you get a response back. You negotiate with the seller. Sometimes they accept right away. Right. Sometimes they want more. Sometimes whatever, you mm-hmm. know, that you evaluate the property. If it's good all around, you buy it mm-hmm. and then you list it for sale, you sell it right. and you rinse and repeat. Exactly. Is there anything I'm missing on? I mean, I know that's I mean, that, simplified. That's very simplified, but really it's, you know, when we get a property under contract, I mean, we go through the, you know, additional checks and everything like we talked about with the drone photographer, the agent, and and we call mm-hmm. the city and the county or whoever just to kind of gauge whether we think the property is buildable or not. And sometimes people will tell you things that you would never think to ask. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So we, we go through a whole checklist of stuff to kind of evaluate the property. And when we're mm-hmm. comfortable with it and titles, the title search is done and everything, then we are ready to close. Now, generally, we uh, purchase all of our properties with cash. Mm-hmm. And I understand that's not possible um, for some people. There's, um, it, there, you know, it's not like a house where you can get like private money or something like that to kind of fund a deal. Land is different in that way. There's not. Uh, you mean bank money? Bank money. Sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. But um, there is such a thing in this business called funding partners. Mm-hmm. And what a funding partner is, is basically they put up the money, you bring the deal, obviously, to the table, and then you kind of handle the marketing side of things and kind of see it through to, to find the end buyer. And then when the deal closes at the end, that you evaluate the profit, say you made $20,000 on that deal, then you generally split the profit with the funding partner. So- Okay, so you bought, you find it, uh-huh. and I have the money. I'm a, right. just a funding partner, right? right? And it's $100,000. Right. So you come to me and you're like, hey, found this property, $100,000. It's worth two hundred. Yeah, it's worth two twenty five. dollars we think. Okay, you it's know. worth two twenty five, dollars And so, and I'm like, okay, cool. So I'll give you the money, mm-hmm. or I find yeah. the deal pretty yeah, much. Yeah, you, you send the money to the escrow, to the escrow or, or title company to close it. Okay, and then you still market it. You help sell it, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Right. Gets into escrow, it sells. Mm-hmm. And then I get how much normally? Well, say say it sells for two twenty five, mm-hmm. and then like we thought, mm-hmm. and then it's you know by the time you've got the closing costs and commissions and everything, say you net two hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. We paid a hundred thousand for it, mm-hmm. so that's a hundred thousand dollars profit. Okay, so fifty thousand to you, fifty thousand to me. So I get one fifty back, and you get fifty thousand. Exactly. Yeah, you is, get your initial money back, right. and then the profit is split between both. And sides. then, do I normally have to pay, or would you normally pay me interest too? 
Are you looking to scale your land flipping business quickly? Well, we're happy to present our new cutting edge system built specifically for land flippers. Take a look at the Land Conquest business system today and you'll gain full access to a customizable pre-made website, CRM, dedicated phone numbers, text automations, 24-7 support, and more. It's basically a business in the box. Go to software.landconquest.com to learn more. Okay, so the, it's just it's very simple, very yeah, very with. simple. I mean, there there are there are different ways that that funders do it. Like sometimes they'll maybe incentivize you if you can get it sold really quickly, or if it takes a little longer, maybe your percentage profit goes down. Everyone's got a different, you know. There, there's a there's a, a number of different ways that some of these funders do it, but generally speaking, you know, a fifty fifty split is kind of what you see a lot of times. Yeah, which is pretty cool. So yeah. theoretically, I don't have to come in like if I don't have a, a stack of money you know, waiting to fund these. I'm going to use my money to find the deals. Right. And then I have somebody yeah, well, over here. I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example of how it worked. Like we- Oh, we, we have done. We have yeah, used yeah, we have been, before. We generally do it with cash, mm-hmm. but there are a couple properties that we have bought with partners. And like we just recently- three, right? Well, we did two full deals okay. and then we just bought another one with the partner. Okay. Um, one of these was because it was a lot of money. First right. of all, <laughs> the property was 650 acres. It's a very, very large property. Really cool property. It's almost way. hard to imagine. One that, yeah, I mean, that's just acres. such a, it's a huge area. Mm-hmm. And it was very beautiful and everything. Nice property. But we purchased it for 315000 And I came to Heather and I said, Heather, can you send 315000 And she just laughed at me. No, I, we, we kind of knew at the beginning, like 315000 is is, you know, a lot to <laughs> commit to one particular deal. So I said, hey, I think I can get a um, partner on this deal that, you know, we'll put up the money and then we'll split the deal. So what ended up happening is the partner, they put up the money, 315000 We resold the property. It took, it was a bigger property. So it took a little longer than, than average for us. So I think it took maybe about five months or so. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the day, we sold it for five ninety five. There were some commissions. We also split some costs on doing some clearing on the property and things. So when it was all said and done, I believe we each got a check for, hundred and eight thousand or something like that which was amazing for us because we didn't you know we didn't put up any of the money it was amazing for him because you know he made about a 33 percent return on his investment in In about five five months months. yeah like in the stock market that's not that's not going to happen well it went down like Right, twenty percent during the yeah. I mean, it might yeah. happen, but it's you know it's, it's very, right. very risky. But you're talking about real assets and real land, and and it's tied to something, right? Uh, in these cases, so it was just a win-win all around. Those mm-hmm. are the kind of deals that you look for. I mean, we were initially hoping to sell it for a little bit more, um, but we uh, we took a we took an offer at that point that we felt was fair for all all sides. So that's why we went with it. Yeah, and and that's another big thing that we kind of focus on is that it's not about top dollar, right? It's no. about moving it quickly. Exactly. That's the whole, that's the whole point. Mm-hmm. And I want to stress too, our average hold time, and we've got all this information on our website, but we detail exactly how long we held Which each website? of the, turningprofit.com. Thank you. So anyhow, turning profit, there you go. Yes, we should put a .com on there. Anyhow, 60 day hold time is our average. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's completely against what you think that a typical land <laughs> investing business would do. So yeah. Ours are very quick flips, and it's even quicker flips than most people that that sell houses because they generally have to buy it, they have to rehab it, they've got all this time, and then they re- put it on the market and resell it. Mm-hmm. And what we do is we buy it, we'll do some minor things to it sometimes, and then we will resell it. And then on average, we're only holding the property for sixty days. That means like the time we send the money mm-hmm. to buy it, we actually own the property, we put it on the market as quickly as we can, 
we find another buyer. So a lot of these properties were able to find a buyer, you know, in under 30 days that comes and we negotiate a deal with them, get under contract to resell it. And then it goes through a transaction with a title company or attorney, and then it closes. So that whole time period is only generally uh, 60 days on average. And I think that's part of like the whole, I know a lot of people like to hold out for top dollar. Right. And like, I think that's, and that's a, a common like psyche thing. Like you want to, you're like, well, right. I can wait a little bit longer and get top dollar. Right. But when you think about how you can move that money, you can take that money again, reinvest it. Like the quicker it moves, the more money you make. Oh yeah. It. It's just math. Yeah. And that's why the bigger ones we will sometimes bring in partners because right. we know they take longer. They just do because it's a different buyer. Right. That might be like a development company, whereas a lot is not necessarily going to a development company. Right. And, uh, you know, we try to price things aggressively on the market. We try mm -hmm. to buy good properties and we try to price them aggressively, slightly below what the market value is. So, you know, that will get the buyer's attention. So if it's a good property and it's priced lower than the competition, it will sell and it'll right. generally sell pretty quickly. Right. So. Yeah, I think that's like there's these little pieces of like magic. It's not just I mean, you've explained like the overview, but it's these like little things that really kind of help that maybe are contrary to what you would think you should mm -hmm. do. You know right. what I mean? I think it's interesting. I, I was going to go back to I think I said this in a different podcast, but how the whole theory of selling the land, it, it occurred to me, you know, years later that my parents actually sold a piece of land like that, mm -hmm. yeah. which I think is so funny from a letter. And this was like maybe 15, 20 years ago. I don't even know how long ago it was, but they got a piece of land someone um couldn't pay a bill or something, gave him a piece of land. And my parents had never even been there, cared. They get a letter in the mail and um, it said like, hey, we are you know, willing to buy this. Here's what we would pay. And they were like, okay, sure. I mean, because this, this land had no value to them. Right. And I think that's funny because- I think Had they ever even been there? No, I don't think they had. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is kind of funny. It right. literally, I don't even know if they remembered that. It was like one of those things, like if you brought up like, oh yeah, that, that piece of land there, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people value land as not having value. Mm-hmm. Right. In some weird way, especially if you didn't buy it. You didn't right. scope this out. You didn't say, this is my dream piece of land. I'm going to build a home on it. Well, obviously, I mean, it's a nuisance to a lot of people, to be honest, because every year or twice a year, they get these tax bills and they have to pay these tax bills. And it's yeah. not something they ever use or get any enjoyment out of. In fact, many of these property owners have never been to the property or they live out of state and they have, you know, it's been many, many years since they've ever been there. They, they've inherited it or some other type of situation. Mm -hmm. They moved away or they had some big plans with it that, you know, just never came to fruition. And uh, so those are a lot of the types of sellers that we're, we're dealing with. And they're just, it, it's more of a nuisance to them at this point. And they just want to move on. They don't want to keep paying that property tax bill. They don't want to go through the process of listing it with a broker, you know, which may take, you know, land typically takes a long time to sell if you're trying to get retail value and you're, you know, going through some of those traditional channels. But. Yeah. And I asked them, I'm like, why didn't you just call up a real estate agent up there? They're mm -hmm. like, yeah. I don't want to do Too it. Then I have to go, well, yeah. and they were like, then I have to go in there and I have to sign it and mm -hmm. I have to find an agent and all this mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Right. And, and it was just like, I can get this money. And I said, do you think you got what it was worth? Like, sure. Yeah. Like they don't, it just didn't matter, you right. know? And the thing too, is then it turned it this, I'm sure this company did exactly what you did. They resold it, mm -hmm. but the per the end buyer now has a piece of land that they would never have been able to buy because my parents would never have list listed right. it. Right. And so it's like you're actually like you're part of that chain to get more buildable land mm -hmm. out to people who want to build. Right. And there's a housing market, you know, crunch. So right. they they need more houses. Yeah, build or enjoy the property. Maybe someone's looking for a property that they can enjoy on the weekends. Go out and ride a four wheeler, mm -hmm. or you know, just in you Don't know, say the H camping word. or you know whatever. But <laughs> Hunting. Yeah. So yeah, so there, there's um 
there's a, a lot of, uh, I think there's some, some good value that we bring to the table and it makes sense for some sellers and it doesn't make sense for other sellers. And, and obviously, cool. yeah, yeah, obviously what we're able to do is we're able to close quickly and we're able to make it completely hassle free. Like we don't ask them to do anything. We don't ask them to do any inspections or, you know, any of this type of stuff or, or even any like crazy disclosures or anything. We're just kind of simple. We ask them what they know about the property and that's, that's pretty much what we do. And then the one analogy I like to make sometimes is that it's kind of like when you have a car, like a used car, and you're like, I want to buy a new car. Heather's thinking about this right now. She wants to buy a new car. I was like, where's he going with this? Like, <laughs> but mm-hmm. in our case, we're not trading in a car. But a lot of people, you know, they, they have a car that they want to trade in or they want to sell. Mm-hmm. So you've got the option that you could either trade it in at the dealership. And everyone knows when you trade in a car at the dealership, you're not going to get top dollar. Right. You're going to get what they decide to pay you on that day. And maybe you can negotiate a little more or whatever. But most people know that you can take that car and you can list it privately. You can get it detailed. You can take it to the mechanic, get everything dialed in perfectly. And you can try to retail it yourself, put it on Craigslist or one of these auto trader, one of these other sites, and you'll get more for it than if you trade it in. But there's also a lot more hassle that goes with it. You've got to do that detailing. You've got to you get take it to the mechanic, get everything good. You've got to meet people. We've got stories behind that, that actually. Funny stories we'll tell someday. Maybe, that, that's maybe a not. Tangent. Yeah. Uh, so, so there's a lot that goes into that. So is it worth your time? Is it worth the effort? You know. So we're the easy option. We're the cash option for people. And if it makes sense for them, great, we're here for them. Okay, so question I ask everyone when they're talking about their different real estate ways that they make money making real estate. Who would be a good person for this kind of stream and who would be someone, I mean, like personality traits or lifestyle? What, who would the ideal person be for this type and who would probably this not work for? Okay. Well, you've got to be dedicated to it. Okay. First of all, so you've got to be the type that's able to hone in and focus and really learn the business model. Mm-hmm. You know, it can't be just something that you're saying, well, I'll just try it and, you know, and then not really get into like, learning how to evaluate properties or learning how to implement each step of the, of the process. So like someone who flips a house where they could do it one time and they don't have to be an expert in home right. remodeling, right? Right. Okay. And then be like, eh, no. You're right. Okay. So if you're going to do this, you should be all in and be willing to learn. Yeah. You have to be willing to learn okay. because with, with the knowledge, like with being able to evaluate properties and how this business model works, it's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to be consistent. I think that's another thing, or at least put a process in place that, takes care of that consistency for you. Mm-hmm. A big part of our business is sending out mail regularly. Right. Because if we're not sending out the mail regularly, the leads won't come in, the properties won't come in for us to purchase, and then eventually it's going to dry up as far as properties that we have to resell. We so. did that. I guess it was last year we did we did a cross-country road trip, right? Right, yeah. And we stopped because I was like, let's get a little break. And it was harder to jump back in. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, well, I'd not jump back in, but get the leads rolling again, right? Wouldn't right. you say? Like, yeah. So, that whole month, it was a month long road trip. We mm-hmm. drove across the country and then we drove back, and we're in, living in California. So, it was mm-hmm. a lot, lots of driving, and I was the main driver. So, anything at that point, I was just. I drove like five miles. Come on. Right. When we got to the hotels or wherever we were staying, it was generally a situation where I was like responding to emails or just things that or I needed, you to, needed get, to sleep too. Yeah, we're yeah driving. I needed to sleep and I needed yeah. to take care of. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't really focused on sending out mail. Right. I, and in hindsight, I should have been. But what happened was because that whole month we didn't get any mail sent out, it affected our resales like three months later, right. four months later. Mm-hmm. So it just takes a while to get that momentum going again. 
I learned from my mistake and I know I have processes in place that if I'm going to be away for an extended period of time, that mail still goes out. Which we did. This past mm-hmm. summer, we did another month back east and we were still able to go out the full entire day. Like we didn't sit anywhere right. for the day. We were like, we're here, we're going to explore. And you worked maybe a couple hours, right? Uh, you know, and because you had like created these fail safes, right? If we were to do it again, right? And I know you said you learned from your mistakes, but that was a hundred percent me because I was like, let's not send any, let's give you a little break, you know what I mean? Like get them, you know, a month. And it wasn't like you, it was, it's extremely horrible work or hard yeah. work. It was just like I wanted, you know what I mean? Right. I thought this is would this be, should be a real vacation, right? yeah. So. Which looking back, it, I think we would have been even happier had we sent them, you know what I mean? Right. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. We would have paid for the trip many times over. If we right, actually right, exactly. And then, oh, I know what I wanted to point out. So when you started building up this this business, right, you were still working like full-time. And I don't mean that like full-time, full-time, but you were at, on our other business, right, mm-hmm. the education um, stream. You were still doing that like full-time. Like that was a full-time job. So yes. you were learning and you started this and built it all up while – you were still doing that. Right. So someone who has a full-time job, whether it's, you know, they're working for themselves or working a nine to five job or whatever, you could do that. Right. Like that wouldn't be a hindering thing when you say you need to be able to focus. It's not about time. It's about actually like focusing that time. Right. So your day would be like, you would do everything you had to do to get, you know, the other uh, business done. And then in your spare time, like, you know, like at night, whatever. Instead watching of watching videos. Netflix, I was watching videos about learning how to evaluate properties. Right, and your weekends, you know, but so, but it wasn't horrible. For, it was fun for you. Like well, I want to no, point that's, that out. I mean, it was exciting to me. Right. So I actually wanted to learn. And when you get mm-hmm. something that shows a lot of promise, I mean, I I don't know. I'm always this way where I when I'm when I'm interested in something, then it's hard for me to like. That's what I want to do. I don't want to watch Netflix. I don't want to do any of this other stuff. I want to I want to really dive in and learn everything I can about it. Right. Just what I want to spend my time with. Okay. So pretty much you need to be able to focus. Mm -hmm. You're going to need to have some money because you've got to send out mail. Right. What can you, what's the low range of money? Or at least credit, you know, like if you put it on your credit card, there's a lot of, been a lot of successful land investors that have, you know, started to like you and you start out kind of slow. If you you have to put everything on the credit card and, you know, and then have a plan to pay it off. Yes. Please pay it off. Do not spend too much. (laughs) And the interest rates are really high on credit cards. Yeah couldn't help myself all that stuff but sometimes you know as an entrepreneur you got to roll the dice and we've done that a lot of times you know like you you gotta you know you gotta take some risks and some people are like well i don't want to dip into my savings well you want a bigger much bigger savings plan at the end of the day then maybe you should dip into those savings and we're not financial advisors no but you know this is just our (laughs) heather's all here with the disclaimers but i'm (laughs) I'm more I'm like, if you want to be an entrepreneur and you actually want to build something, you've got to take some risks. No, a hundred percent. And anytime that I've looked back, I have never been upset about any risk we've taken. I've been upset about the risks that we didn't take. That's right. And, and I don't mean risk. Like, I mean, we're not gambling the house away. No, I would no. never mortgage my children's food money or, and so I, I want to be very clear on that. If you don't have enough money to pay for your groceries today, do not no. start a new business like this. Don't start any new business in the right. sense that costs money. However, find a way to save up some money. And we've always done that. Like we've parlayed one business to fund the next business. To fit, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's always been a, a building step right. in expertise, but also in in money. But I think that people think that you have to have like a lot of money set aside and you don't. Mm-hmm. Like, could you start with $500 for mail? $1,000? I mean, like what would be the opportunity? Like if I was going to save up the money to start, where what would be the best? Do you have a great deal under contract? We'll submit it to partnerwithpete.com. The Partner with Pete program is a deal funding program where we will actually 
Use our funds to complete the purchase of the property. We will do every other step of the process, including the due diligence, the transaction side, the marketing side, and the transaction on the resale side. And when all the dust settles, we will split the profits 50-50. There is no downside for you as an investor, only upside. So once again, go to partnerwithpete.com, submit your deal there, and let's get it funded. Well, you can do it in one or two ways. I mean, generally, we send out a pretty to a pretty broad list, meaning mm-hmm. we send out... But many- you've, you value your time over the money sometimes. Yeah, like in so. Sense. So you could you could do it one or two ways. You could send out to a very broad list, so you're spending more money in mail, and maybe you're catching some of those people that other that uh, some of those landowners that other people filter out. Or you could spend a, a great amount of time kind of filtering that list and trying to make that list as targeted as possible. So you know you might have more success with mailing landowners that are out of state owners. Like these these are all things that you can filter for. Like mm-hmm. or landowners that have owned the property for t- more than 20 years or and you use you a know. service to prov- to get these lists and these lists come from public record oh yeah it's by the public way this record. isn't like yeah. and actually, mining lot, facebook or you know, some and, weird and that's another area you can save for costs you know mm-hmm. like a lot of these counties you can actually get the property owner list directly from them oh really okay right. so you could there are ways to, so let's say that i want to prioritize time i'm sorry Money over time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So theoretically, I could go pull this list. Right. I could then take this list and I could X out the ones that I know are bad. Right. You I put it in an Excel each- file uh-huh. and you just kind of go through each one and say, okay, you know, like, because they give you all this data and you're like, mm-hmm. when these people purchased it, you know, maybe what the assessed value is, all these You could even of research the actual piece of land. Right. Like if you really wanted to. Right. And then you shrink that list. So instead of sending, you would not do, I mean, you shrink right. to some extent, but like you would send to 10,000 knowing that maybe only 50% are actually ones that are. Right. Okay. But so, and you're paying per piece of mail. And then if I wanted to actually take that 10,000 people and filter it myself down to the 5,000, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. What number would you start at? You don't like this question. Well, I have, I think differently than most people, I think. Right. But it's okay. I'm here. My then. first batch of mail was 10,000 letters. How much was that? About $5,000. Okay. And I didn't freak out. You didn't freak out. Okay. No. It's interesting. So I like to go big and that, mm-hmm. I don't know. So, I think you can get away with much less and do a much more targeted list. Maybe could I do a thousand? A thousand dollars, maybe. Could I do a thousand dollars? I think so. Like okay. a first mail, like did mm-hmm. a little test and everything. Mm-hmm. But and your first mail might be bad, by the way. Right. right? Our first batch was bad, actually. And I didn't freak out. <laughs> no, you didn't freak I'm out. So proud of myself. Yeah, but I learned. You know, mm-hmm. there was no one I, really. Adv- I, I was being advised mm-hmm. uh, to send mail to like the hottest area in the country, and that's really not what you should be doing because. Everyone else is sending it right. to the hottest, right? And everyone's exactly. buying there, right? Okay, so I think this is a, maybe a good place to stop because I think that this could be a whole new other thing. Oh yes, yeah. so we can get into all the nuances right. of it, but I think the general mm-hmm. business model, I think, is you know we went through that and kind of you can see exa- you know what we do, but and then we can get into a lot more detail in, in future episodes about all these different aspects, mm-hmm. I guess. But I think it's like just to kind of tie it up the. We talk about like risk and reward and all that kind of stuff, but we're not talking (laughs) like my level of risk is way different than your level of risk. And probably to most people, my level of risk is like way down here. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like this is a normal level of risk and maybe you push up here and I'm like way down here. And I think that the cool thing about this business is the money change comes back quick. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, 
a thousand dollars is, you know, and there's going to be other costs and stuff, but I think that, yeah, on a credit card, that's not as scary as like a hundred thousand dollars on a credit card. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about it like that, Mm -hmm. and I think that the other thing too, is that for a lot of people that have the prime person might be someone who has expendable income already right. that's looking for a different type of investment. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Those and are, to start a business. Exactly. And you can actually even buy these things if you've got a self-directed IRA or 401k, you can actually buy properties within that. He says and we that, do that too. I yeah. just bought one. He says that because he's done that twice in his and like mine is just all in like EFTs and mine is like worth like half the value of yours. I can help you. I can <laughs> help you, you with some properties, Heather. Thank you. I know, right? Um, yeah. And you know, and also I point out you, when I met you, you were a stockbroker or financial advisor, as they call right. it. Right. And you had different series of things that- Series 7, Series mm-hmm. 63, and 65. Yeah. He told me that to impress me. And I was like, oh, cool. I have no idea what we're talking about. And so you're going into, you, you know, I think you have a different- um, I know about that whole world and I know I right. don't want to be in it. Right. Exactly. I think that's funny. And so he like, you know, wants to put it in different types of investments. And again, it's just our different personalities. But I think that's what's so interesting that I'll be letting you do that with mine, by the way. Okay. But I think it's very interesting because uh, it showcases there's so many different people that can get into this. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And also you can do big time. You can do little time. It's just what you want, you right. know? Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's there's a, the other nuances of this model too. You know, some people- Will buy just like very very cheap properties, like right yes. five hundred dollar uh-huh. desert squares, you know, in the middle of the desert somewhere, and then they'll resell it for two thousand. I mean, obviously, that's a great return on your investment. Mm-hmm. You'd be you know, four times in your your money, four times you know return on investment. But it's it's tough to make you know real money that way as well. Right, so. but but also your real money is totally different than someone else's real money. I still like using coupons. Uh-huh, right. He rolled his eyes, by the way. I will. I, if I see a coupon for $2, I'm all in. Pete's like, okay, whatever. I think that it's interesting in that sense because that to some people would be extremely, like they could do it all cash. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. And that would be extremely fun. And I'm going to leave it a little teaser is that our kids have also done this. Oh, yes. That will be an upcoming episode in the mm-hmm. next one or maybe the one after that. Yeah. So, and they took, how much did just, they just start with 8,000. So, so they, they each put, put in 4,000. Okay. They each put $4,000 in. And right now, what are they? Uh, well, they, they parlayed it up to 65,000, but it's mm-hmm. going to be even more because they've got a property that they bought and they're under contract to resell that basically doubling their money on that investment. So I'm not sure where it's going to be after that actually closes, but. Okay. So, and that, I think that is interesting too, because that shows, um, we'll be showing from them, you know, at the bottom. Now they have the advantage because they have you. You've done this before and because I'm amazing, but you know what I mean? Like that's, that is an advantage. Right. However, they have been doing all this work themselves. Right. So um, I think that's going to be really fun because it wanted to show someone that anyone can do it. They're called, they're, one of them's in college, mm-hmm. takes college courses and it doesn't matter where you are. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we'll, we'll kind of do a whole series on following their progress. Right. Okay. And the last thing is it doesn't matter where you live. Like, oh you no. Buy- in fact, you know, we, we buy properties all over the country and we have seen some of them just because of that road trip that you were talking about, mm-hmm. but it's, it's very rare for us to actually go and, and see one of these properties and actually step on it. I need to add those pictures. I wonder if there's a way to add a picture of us. Um, uh, add yes, it right here. Maybe. I'll send a picture. If, if it's possible, if not, imagine Pete and I with woods and grass. <laughs> I'd love to see more, but they're all mm-hmm. on the other end of the country. We do send people out from our team or, or people that we hire, you know, photographer and, and which you can find to, anywhere. Right. To, to go mm-hmm. out to the, these properties and inspect it for us. Right. So we're just not physically. Actually so you don't out. have to worry about travel costs. You don't have to be, and we live in California. It's a high cost of living area and land's not. Yeah. It's, it's a flippable. whole different thing. You know, I'm there's sure. some desert stuff out right. here that's pretty mm-hmm. inexpensive, but it's not really what we deal in. Right. So you don't have to worry about like where you live. Like you can 
you know, wherever. Um, Canadians, different up there, though, correct? Right. But there's a lot of Canadians that invest in the United States. There we go. Okay. People from Europe are doing mm-hmm. this model. In Europe or here? They live in Europe. And they're investing and they, here. they're investing in the United States doing the same model. That doesn't surprise me. Isn't that crazy? I don't know. Can you buy me some land in like Paris, please? I would love to, but <laughs> I, I think it's a cumbersome process from what I hear to buy properties in Europe and, you know, flipping it is probably going to be a little difficult. It's that golden passport thing we need. Oh, okay. And yes. We pay for citizenship oh, in the okay. EU country. Yes. You're um, a citizen of a bunch of different countries. Yeah. Okay. A global citizen, Exactly. If you I know, right? Okay, well, cool. So was that as painful as you thought it was going to be? No, I didn't think it was going to be painful. You did do one eye roll. Huh? Did I? Yeah, because I went off on a tangent. I did notice that. Okay. And I'll oh. use it against you for the future 10, 20 years. <laughs> Um, but I think I know a lot. Our kids do eye rolls all the time, but just one. Mm, Okay. Maybe two, but I want to get into some of these other things later because Mm -hmm. I think like I want to pick apart some of those things. But the, the big thing was I was apprehensive because that's just my personality. You were optimistic. You won. Okay. Mike job. I don't know what else to say other than check out (laughs) turningprofit.com. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye. All right. Bye. Ready to start Turning Profit yourself? Head to turningprofit.com to step up your real estate investing game. See you on the next episode.